from St. Louis, Missouri, this is Strangers to Fiction, a podcast all about documentary storytelling. My name is Jacob McIndoller. And my name is Bill Streeter, and this week we watched the 2017 documentary, Finding Francis. So this week, again, we're, we're going in our recent series of bringing on other documentary filmmakers to discuss a film that they want to talk about. This is a segment we're going to be doing on and off in the future. So um, we're trying to get more voices on this show and kind of mix it up a bit. So we're going to be inviting other documentary filmmakers onto the show to talk about their projects and then pick a film for us to talk about. So Yeah, and what I really like about this is the the idea, and it's been this idea from the beginning, and we, we've, we've done a few episodes like this, but we want to bring filmmakers on not just to talk about their film, but the films that inspired them, the things that make them love documentary films. You know, if you're out there making documentary films, most likely, you, you know, you have your own inspirations, the one that you love. And we want to give people the platform to come on and talk about uh, just those those ones that inspired them. Anyway, we're going to welcome in Oscar Harding. Oscar, welcome. Hey, guys. How you doing? Good. Thanks for coming on. Um we're going to talk about the film Finding Francis here in a few minutes, and that's a film that you you picked for us to watch, and we'll talk about why you picked it and all of that later. Uh, but what I'd like to do first is just have you kind of introduce yourself, and you're working on a project right now uh, that I'm interested in and interested to talk to you about. Um, so let's have you just kind of introduce yourself and, and tell us what you're working on. Sure. Hi, I'm Oscar Harding. I'm originally from the UK, now based in Milwaukee, Wisconsin. I've worked in the British, Irish, and American film and TV industries for the last six years now. A lot of it has been on documentaries, including the Irish documentary The Lonely Battle of Thomas Reed, uh, the Academy Award-nominated and BAFTA-winning uh, Arabic-language movie uh, Thebe, and the BIFA-nominated indie comedy in the UK, The Darkest Universe, among others. Mm-hmm. It's a lot of uh, initials to remember. Yeah, it takes a while <laughs> Just to, to introduce yourself. Yeah. If, you, if you had said any one of those, I would have been fine with it. I mean, but one of the reasons we wanted to have you on kind of right away was that you have a project in the works right now that it's a bit time sensitive. So um, tell us about that a little bit. Yeah, so a documentary I've been working on for the last three years called A Life on the Farm has been incredibly fortunate and we've got producers from the Found Footage Festival, a very successful American comedy team. They've backed the project and we decided to launch a Kickstarter, which is ending on September 10th. Uh, We're pretty much there, but we've still got a couple more thousand dollars to go. We're mostly using it for post-production, as well as a couple of other things just to wrap up any last minute interviews, which has been a nightmare. As you can imagine, COVID has slowed everything down. Mm-hmm. But uh, shall I explain what the documentary is about? Yes, please, yeah, please. I yeah, think that's yeah. what, yeah, that's what we want to hear about. Have you got your uh, video set up? I'm ready to play you some lovely pictures. This farmer, Charles Carson, made this feature length home movie. I can't tell if this guy is a genius or a psychopath. Here we go. Oh my goodness. It's a truly special work of art. So my grandfather passed away around a decade ago and among his possessions when the family was clearing out his house was a videotape. And this videotape was from one of his neighbors. He lived in a very rural area of the UK called Somerset. I like Mm -hmm. to think of Red State, Wisconsin, very rural. 
uh, follow eccentrics. And one of those eccentrics was my grandfather's neighbor, a guy called Charles Carson, who was a farmer nearby. And when you're a kid and you watch this kind of stuff, you kind of embellish it and think it's more fantastical than it is. So we moved house and then a couple of years ago, we rediscovered the tape. I put it on and thought it's going to be nowhere near as batshit insane as I remember it being. <laughs> and it was even more so. And I run a production company with my longtime partners and we just realized there's got to be a story here. We, we have to not only bring Charles's movies to the world because they're remarkable, but the more we started to find out about him, we realized there's enough of a story here to to make a documentary. We have never really done documentaries before. We've done a, a short documentary before, but we all work in narrative. One of our guys works on things like Star Wars and Jurassic World and The Lion King and visual effects. The other guy works on big Netflix shows as a cameraman. So we've mostly been developing narrative projects and this came along and we thought we've got to drop everything and this is now what we're doing. So we have our debut feature film, uh, almost yeah, funded so on Kickstarter. Where are you in the production? Yeah. So we were hoping to have wrapped by the spring, but then this little thing called COVID-19 came along and slowed everything down. But we have one or two more interviews to film. We've been producing remotely across Ireland, the UK and the US. We've been trying to adhere to health and safety measures as best we can, obviously with social distancing and our crew uh, wearing PPE. But we are at the point where we need to get post-production started. Uh, we have a post house secured and we have an amazing editor based here in Milwaukee with me and she and I are just sort of hashing out the rough cut at the minute. Mm. Oh, that's great. Um, yeah, well, post-production should be a lot easier to com complete with uh, COVID. Right. I, I can't imagine COVID would... Um, I mean, a lot of my work that I've been getting, I have my own production company too. And a lot of the work I've been doing this summer is mostly editing or managing live streams from home. So, um, and I can do, basically I can do anything. I have an office too, but I can do everything I can do, do at my office. I can do at home. Lucky so, you. <laughs> um, yeah. So yeah. it's been, um, I mean, I'm the only person in my office too, so it wouldn't really be, you know, that big of a deal if I wanted to go to the office. It's just that we only just recently started shooting in interviews and stuff again, so um, in person. So that's that's been um, good. So well, I, so I it was interesting to see how other people are dealing in the business are dealing with stuff right now. Yeah, so. we were remotely. My two producers are based in London. I'm based in Milwaukee. We were trying to shoot an interview in Belfast. So there's a six hour time difference for me. And the other guys are in a whole other part of the UK. We had initially thought they could fly out to Belfast, and then we thought, oh. Yeah. Have you thought about hiring um, locals? Yeah, local that's what people? we did. We had a, yeah. an amazing self-shooting producer. Um, the interview went off without a hitch. But, yeah, it's... It, it's did you do um, the interview remotely or something? Or? Um, we essentially had the producers uh, conducting things because it was shot at around 4 a.m. So they were the asking Central the questions over a Skype or something? Or? Yeah, so we actually had all this prepared weeks in advance. We sort of uh, coordinated with the interview subject. We wrote down the question list, gave him oh, a couple okay. weeks to prep, gave him everything we needed. We coordinated with the producer in Belfast. Um, and then the guys in London were on call. I was fast asleep because it was 4 a.m., uh, it's kind of nice to wake up and have the work already done. Yeah, that's uh, great. And turn yeah. Really good. Well, as long as if it's good, yeah. Yeah, yeah, we got yeah, lucky. So. We got real lucky. 
That's great. Well, um, I can tell you just from I, I check out the Kickstarter. I watched the trailer that you made, and one of my favorite genres of documentary films are the found footage ones. You know, so um, we just talked about last week. Uh, we talked about capturing the Freedmans, yeah. another found footage documentary. Uh, you know, a classic one. So, mm, and I'm always intrigued by um, small town characters. You know, Bill and I always talk about that. Uh, you know, characters are really what make a good documentary. And it seems to me like you've got something really interesting on your hands here because, uh, as I understand it, was, is it Charles was the neighbor's name? Yes. Yeah. And, and and this was just footage that he shot of himself living on the farm. It's a feature-length home movie that he just shot by himself. He learned, um, he taught himself how to edit. He taught himself how to add the score wow. to stuff. He used something called a gen lock which uh, he makes all his own titles. Uh, it, it's easy enough now with you know digital technology to do no, this sure. on your phone, but you had yeah. to really put the effort in by then even to do something of his caliber. Yeah, yeah. that's great. There's I, a lot, of, I can tell from the, the trailer that it seems like there's a lot of information that you still have that you know you want to you wait until the film comes out for people to learn about. So I, I don't want to ask you too many questions sure, about the sure. story because I'm excited. Um, it's called A Life on the Farm. It's on Kickstarter right now. You said it, it's finishes in is it 11 days something like that uh as of the time recording yes yeah, september 10th at around 11 p.m central how standard. long how long did you do the, your kickstarter for um, yeah no we started august uh what was it august 10th i think it's been running around 31 days we're trying oh. to keep it short it's my birthday oh happy birthday <laughs> august well, 10th was my birthday so yeah no that that's that's what i've discovered too is like you do short uh duration they're better than long duration ones. So. We've been real lucky because we kind of had a leg up from the start because of our producers, the Found Footage mm -hmm. Festival. Um, I mean, their fan base just, uh, they had already eaten it up. The whole story there was, I was interviewing them for the documentary back when live shows were a thing last fall in Milwaukee. There was a show that were originally from the Madison area uh, and I showed this to them and they were obsessed and it was the first time that in my career that people have been calling me to ask me about my project and how that was going. And we Must were, be a nice feeling. It huh? was a lovely feeling. And they're the nicest guys. They've been super supportive. And they come with um, this incredible fan base who are the nicest people we had. Yeah, that's great. One guy sell, I think, 200 of his Magic the Gathering cards so he could finance his part of the film. Wow. Nice. I was just, yeah, blown away. I've never had this kind cool. of response to anything I've worked on. People kind of love this guy even more than I do. Well, yeah. I'm going to definitely go on after we're done recording here and I'm going to contribute something I haven't yet, but Thank just you. because I want to see what I want to see what this looks like. I want to see what it you know, yeah, I, I want to see it too. hear this story when it's done cuz Yeah, it looks great. It's definitely like right up our alley and you know, Jacob said something earlier about character and really um it's not just documentary. It's like stories, really. Stories are made of characters. Good stories and doc and good documentaries is good storytelling. It's so, been amazing be um, uh, because I forget the term, but it, they say that the the best way to make a documentary is uh, access and story. I'm probably completely yeah. tearing that phrase apart. I think story is at the heart of everything, right? Yeah. Like, I mean, there's no. But there's, the access uh, is a big one too. I mean, yeah. we, we talk about yeah. like we yeah, you need access yeah. to tell a good story. We haven't for sure. really had that access because Charles passed away around a decade ago and mm -hmm. the reason it's taken so long is we've been doing a lot of detective work trying to track down anyone who's still alive who remembers Charles mm -hmm. wow. and that's been the biggest part of the journey and originally this was going to be a short film it was going to be a little bit more just analyzing Charles's movie maybe finding out a little bit about him 
And then slowly but surely, people started coming out of the woodwork and we found out more about his life. And there's so much more to the guy. I think when you watch a, a movie like his home movies with no real context, you do have that tendency to laugh at it. And I don't mm-hmm. really judge anyone for that because, you know, you have no context. It's just, it's, this is weird stuff. This is what Joe and Nick do at their live shows. But then something else that Joe and Nick do that we were already doing with Charles is they really want to find out the story behind these people. Yeah. And they usually track these people down. They get them on their live web shows. They even bring them to live shows. Um, if you've heard of the documentary Winnebago Man, they were involved in that and they found oh, yeah. okay. the Winnebago yeah. Man. Yep. and brought him onto their shows. Another found footage. Right, and the more that we've learned about Charles, the more you kind of just fall in love with the guy and you're laughing with him because these movies, you find out he was very intentionally making them for an audience. We didn't just stumble across something that was never meant to be seen and laugh mm-hmm. at something that was meant for private consumption. Yeah. He was a filmmaker. We will put... Uh, the link to your uh, Kickstarter in any show notes or when we, when we post on social media and stuff too. But go ahead and give us the URL anyway. I can tell I can tell you this. If you just Google a life on the farm Kickstarter, it pops up. Oh, okay. Because that's what go. I did today yeah. before we sat yeah. down. I, I Googled yeah, that. Yeah, that's, so. that, that's yeah. the one thing about Kickstarter is the custom URL system is horrible. We've got this kind of long URL with all the slashes uh, and it's just a yeah. dash life dash uh, right, on dash right. the dash farm look at our, our page in Podbean too we have a page in there we'll put a link in the show description why does she say she doesn't know you there are many things I do not know about you what does that mean I don't I Maybe she couldn't figure out me. Can you figure out you? (laughs) Myself? Sometimes I wonder. So, Oscar, like we said, we're going to have you on. We wanted to have you on here today to talk about a film that you like other than yours. Um, So you picked a film called Finding Francis. Tell us about the film and tell us why you picked it. So it took me a long time to decide which documentary would be best. And there's an argument about whether or not Finding Francis really counts as -hmm. a documentary film. Uh, I absolutely think it does. They screened it uh, in several theaters. I think it had a limited festival run off the top of my head. Errol Morris called it unfathomably great in a New York Times article. And I think when you've got that kind of seal of approval, it definitely counts. It It is the series finale of a TV episode. Right. But it's a feature-length episode, and just the the blurring of film and TV these days, I think it absolutely qualifies as a documentary movie. It's also one of my favorites, and I laugh my ass off every time I rewatch it. This must have been, I think, the fifth time I rewatched it uh, just today mm. to refresh uh, my memory. Yeah, it it I was not familiar with this film uh, before uh, I watched it this weekend. Um, I don't think I was even familiar with that TV show at all. So Yeah, so the the premise as you said, it's a it's an episode of a TV show. It's the final episode. I don't remember the exact season, but the final episode It's uh, season 4 episode season, 7, I think. So the it's last, the last ever season. Episode. It was the last episode. Yeah. yeah. Oh, okay. Oh, it was the last ever. Okay. I didn't yeah. know. And and I was and it was the last episode of Nathan for you. Uh, uh, 
a reality show that aired on Comedy Central. Um, Nathan Fielder, the premise, and correct me if I'm wrong, I've only seen a bits and pieces, was he played a business consultant and he would go into businesses uh, and give them really outlandish, outlandish ideas on how to improve their business and, and make comedy of it. Um, that's the ba- basic premise of the but show, right? That's, that's pretty much it. The show gets even funnier when he decides to completely abandon that concept, not just with Finding Francis, but there's one where he decides he's going to try and... Uh, he's hooked himself up to a claw machine that's going to pull his pants down in front of children and have him jailed as a registered sex offender <laughs> if he can't unpick the lock in time. In time, I've seen that. And then there's another one which is even more insane. He finds just a regular schlub and decides to leave him in the desert for two weeks, take on his identity and make (laughs) him a hero in the eyes of everyone and do tightrope walking across uh, buildings. Yeah, I I am completely... I I don't think... I've ever seen this show before. I've never heard of it. Um, it's, it's the greatest kind of comedy show, show that no one ever talks huh. about. I think it's the funniest show of the century so far. Huh. And the premise huh. of this Finding Francis is that during the course of filming one of the episodes, he ran into somebody who called himself a Bill Gates impersonator. Even though uh, he looks and sounds nothing, looks like, and Bill sounds Gates. nothing yeah. like Bill Gates. Yeah. All he did was talk about computers. <laughs> right. Right? Yeah. Yeah. That was his qualification. He for- only looks like... Je- vaguely like maybe a very elderly Bill Gates right yeah. and this guy Bill Heath begins hanging around uh, the production offices for Nathan for you uh, dropping off gifts and things like that and uh, the basic premise what sets them on the quest is that he frequently talks about uh, a lady from his past Francis who he loved and regrets not having married and that prompts Nathan on the path to go find out who Francis is. And that's sort of the jumping off point of the film. Uh, and then from there, well, I think gets, Oscar, Oscar said he was going to, I asked Oscar to come up with a synopsis. I mean, I've oh, got give a, me the synopsis. I mean, okay. I've got a synopsis, but you've kind of summed it up. Oh, I'm sorry. Like I stepped no, on no, your no, toes you're good. there. You're good. <laughs> um, no, that, that's perfect. I mean, yeah. Um, Nathan decides to take all the resources of his show to help Bill find his lost love. And it takes them everywhere from Arkansas to Michigan, where Bill mm-hmm. finally faces his destiny after a decade. Um, but what is interesting is along the way, Nathan starts to learn some really uncomfortable truths and some really surprising revelations about this kind of kooky guy who he didn't really know that well. Mm-hmm. So it becomes a road movie, and they weirdly become friends. And it takes some weird twists and turns that are more of the tv show really than they are the documentary and like you said some people question if this is a documentary because and i think not only because it originally aired on television but also um at some point it's hard to know what's real and you know what is being put on in this yeah there is that consistent blurring between fact and fiction this is a show produced by tim heidecker's production company absolutely so you have that kind of consistent absurdity but i think you can suspend disbelief and imagine it's all happening but you know realistically you know a good amount of it is scripted yeah but so it's the the people that he it's the people whose businesses he helps who absolutely sell it it's very hard to believe that they're in on the joke on quite the same yeah. level mm-hmm. so there's a i i guess the question is do you consider reality like at what point does reality tv show become the documentary maybe is the question and 
you know, of course, there's a conceit with reality television. They, they, it's completely contrived situations, no matter how you slice. Even in this film, which is regarded as a documentary, um, a lot of these situations were contrived. You could see the reality television mechanism at work. You know, let's put these people in this situation. Let's create a situation, put them in it. It's not follow these people in real life doing their real shit. You know, um, so I guess the question is now. I think a lot of reality shows are scripted. I don't know how much Nathan. I've never even seen this show. I feel like I should have you, watched. You, I would episodes, highly but, recommend that. But, but I, I don't know how produced this shit was as a reality show, um, which I wouldn't consider a scripted reality show. Say like Pawn Stars to be documentary, right? But um, um, what, what becomes interesting with this is Finding Francis. In my mind, is absolutely a documentary. The rest of the show is it. It's scripted reality, but it is first and foremost a comedy. It's not like, say, Keeping Up With The Kardashians, where it's reality TV, even though it's scripted reality. He is there to tell jokes first and foremost with this sort of reality TV premise like Undercover Boss. It's no different to Undercover Boss, apart from his ridiculous ideas. Yeah, (laughs) and it's actually good, yeah. Yeah, Yeah. Hmm. Yeah, um, he's a... I don't know. I don't know. I feel like that guy rubbed me the wrong way. There was just something about his whole Nathan or Bill. Nathan. Aqu- Nathan. Mm. Well, both of them really. I kind of liked Bill a little bit, but like uh, that whole kind of awkward pause, like humor, um, is kind of wearing thin on me these days. I think it's interesting you know? hearing that you had only seen this without the context. I was already a huge fan of the show, yeah, right? yeah. and I think a lot of people who saw it in theaters were big fans of the show already. One of the things I love about the whole show in general is there is this very subtle narrative that is threaded throughout. uh, All the episodes are completely unconnected. It's a different business every time. But there's this thing about him being a very sad, lonely man. One of the guests calls him the Wizard of Loneliness, and that becomes an ongoing thing in the show. But Mm. he's consistently trying to find human connection. He'll awkwardly end... Um, an episode that's wrapping up and he's helped a business or they've awkwardly let him do his weird shit and then left him to it. He says, do you want to hang out? And he gets rejected every time because he always catches them off guard, which is why it's such a satisfying ending to the show. And uh, even one of the characters in Finding Francis, Macy, the escort, says she finds him kind of mean-spirited. And what he's doing with Bill, I think, is a little bit more genuine and it makes it stand out as its own thing Hmm. and i think also i i've not seen a lot of this show but i have seen maybe a few episodes of it and i i can see how if you're not familiar with with nathan for you and that character and his sort of style of comedy how it could be a little bit off-putting if you were walking into this expecting kind of a straight documentary you know, and, mm-hmm. uh, and I wasn't really I knew enough about it to not expect this straight documentary, I, but I wasn't totally clear on what it was either. So I came into it fairly cold, but not that cold. So, But I could see how you might be rubbed the wrong way by him if you weren't familiar with his work before. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. I was at least familiar with it enough to where to when when he went into his shtick, I, I knew that was his shtick. You know, that's that's what he does to get laughs. So. It is a little bit of an acquired taste. Yeah, I can see that. And I'm a fan of subtle humor. I mean, I'm not, it's not that. I mean, um, 
I just, I don't know. It's it's funny. There's a lot of like parallels between this, like what I imagine the rest of the show might be like, and um, you know things like The Office, which is really a completely scripted show that's shot like a documentary, you know. Mm-hmm. So, um, but also like full of like awkward characters, you know. So, um, so how much of this do you think was contrived, or do you know was contrived, mm-hmm. and how much of it was like a real thing? I think a lot of this was less contrived than the rest of the show. Is there's obviously going to be scripted elements with this one, but I I, I cannot believe that Bill is scripted. If he is, he's a genius actor. Yeah, but, I don't I don't yeah. think he is either. Yeah, everything with the escort. Yes, that. Is very clearly, clearly scripted, contrived. Not my favorite part of the movie. Yeah, mine either. Mm. Mm-hmm. But I, I did like. I mean, I think if you look at it as a whole, like you said, with the character and, and the show, and uh, it, it puts a nice end to that. Mm. You know, look now he's found love, and in the most ridiculous way, he's found love, yeah. which is yeah. kind of funny in its own. It is right. a really great season finale if you think about it that way. You know, yeah, it's a good way that, But those know. those scenes also um, with is Macy, is it? Yeah, Macy. The scenes with her, uh, those were the ones that I was laughing at the most just because they were so ridiculous. Mm. Although there were a certain point when they first introduced that uh, where I got a little bit like, all right, let's move on with the story. What's happening with, with Bill right now? Have you found any more leads? Because I was genuinely compelled by the story of trying to find Francis. He's know? a fascinating character, and this is why it sets it apart from the rest of the show. I, I actually think it's really kind of moving and actually pretty heartbreaking. Oh, I, I I agree that this that final scene in the car. I mean, mm. that, that was tough to watch. Yeah, you know, and you're just watching a guy's face, you know, mm. kind of go through, you know. And it was what was it, sixty years or something like that since these two had seen yeah, each something other? Something like that. Yeah, sixty years now, I think. Mm. Yeah. So yeah. I don't know. I I found this really interesting that. Uh, I wanted to know that real story. I wanted my traditional like uh, documentary. You know, focus on Bill. Give me the, the, you know, let me see the character. Let me see his family. Let me see his, go through the emotions. And I was interested in the love letters, you know, when he got that stack of love letters and they're reading it off because that's a real insight into somebody's life. And then at times it would be broken up by the humor. But the humor actually to me was funny enough to where I, I was, you know, I wasn't upset that it was taking away from my sort of pure documentary. So I don't... I think the question of whether or not it's a documentary or reality or how much is contrived, it doesn't really matter all that much. It's just kind of a, it's a combination of those two things. And I think it works really well, you know, I, but I think having said that, I think you could make a a straight documentary finding Francis without the humor. I think you could have having Bill drive you through the whole story. I kind of wish you'd had a little bit more of a hybrid where it is just Nathan and Bill trying to find her. And I Mm -hmm. like those sort of, those periods where there's not a lot happening, but it's just Bill clearly wants the company and Nathan is just along for the ride. You know, they're in the diner and Bill asks the guy running the diner to switch it to Fox News or <laughs> they're watching the 2016 elections and just talking about Trump. Uh, yeah. Right. There was the one right in the beginning when they were first introducing him where Nathan was standing at the bathroom door and Bill's talking to him <laughs> saying like, oh, I just still can't find her. And Nathan goes, can I just go to the bathroom real fast and then we'll talk about this? And, 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 none of that feels scripted. 
I didn't really feel like anything with with Bill seemed scripted. Mm. There were obviously staged situations, like the class reunion was clearly going okay. to the that library. Was clearly Nathan God, we need a, a set piece. You know, mm. we need something to to show this um, and make it humorous. But I don't think Bill's role in that was scripted. I think mm. Bill was up for all of that. I think he was doing exactly what Nathan asked him to do. Uh, what was fascinating, I thought, is it almost played out like therapy. Uh, again, clearly a, a scenario that Nathan and his producers had set up where they're at the theatre where a production of Young Frankenstein is letting them use the oh. set. <laughs> and uh, I, off the top of my head, I, I think it's it's June. June is the... Uh, June is right. I think yeah. it was June. June is the, is the actress who is playing Francis and letting Bill work through how he's going to approach her. And I was just... I've seen it five times already. I was just crying with laughter <laughs> oh. watching that stuff. But it, it just... The, the escalation of it, she realised what kind of guy he is and he accepts... That he's probably not going to win her over after all these years. Yeah. When he first walks through that door and sits down <laughs> and puts his arm around her, puts his hand on her leg. Oh, oh God. I couldn't have cringed harder. Yeah. So and then, and then just this silly, and then it becomes so silly because then they switch to, they put him in a wig. So it just looks, you know, right. June is playing him and you can hear him talking out about all the bad things that he did, yeah. which is simultaneously sort of heartbreaking and sort of hilarious at the same time. So, uh, they, they, they come into a genre of their own documentaries where the, the host director producer becomes a part of the story, kind of gonzo documentary. Yeah. One thing mm. that I desperately wanted to avoid, because I'm not the biggest fan of them, ironically, um, one of the things I desperately wanted to avoid with the documentary I have been making is I wanted to make this about Charles. There is the element of my family. It was my grandfather's tape. Uh, one thing that Charles did was he would make individual cuts of this sort of 100-minute long home movie for every different villager in his small rural village. And he would add in footage of each of them. So there would be sort of 20, 25, 30 unique cuts of the same movie. Wow. And the cut that we have is the one he gave to my grandfather. And my grandmother was the district nurse in this kind of remote rural area. Mm. And she passed away before I was born. So that's the only footage I have of my grandmother to see what she looks like, what she sounded like, what she acted like. Huh. Well, that's cool. But as the story went on, we didn't have enough people to tell us about Charles that it kind of became a necessity. I was desperately trying to avoid being in it. And it came to the point where my two production partners went, you, you have to be hmm. the one guiding the story. Otherwise, we have no structure to the film. So now hmm. I'm in the film kind of guiding it along. That's all right. My film, I, I had to do that too. Yeah. My film was about my life in, in a sense. I was and in the same way. And that's understandable, yeah. Well, I, well, but in the same way, I would rather have not have been in it. Mm. Um, but it was it was going to be a better story because it was a personal story. So, you know, this affects you personally. So it's probably right to be in right. there. And I, I got incredibly lucky with this guy I happened to find and then finding out the story about him in the same way that Nathan found Bill by accident. He was just some guy... They got as a Bill Gates impersonator for a gag in one episode. And he becomes yeah. so fascinating, they bring him back and they make an entire movie about him. You you can't script people like that. Mm. I think that uh, that format of like having uh, this sort of personal journey style, I guess, documentary is what I would call it, um, where you have like sort of a, a person that you're telling the story through that's sort of hosting the story, I guess. 
Um, I think that that's just a technique, and I don't think there's any good or bad in it. It's There's really obviously very bad examples of it and very overwrought examples of it. But there's also some very good examples of people how using that technique well. So I don't think it's something you should necessarily try to avoid as a filmmaker um, just because there's some some people did other people did it badly you know you could figure out a way of doing it uniquely and in and in, in way, this case yeah. nathan isn't really the filmmaker mm. you know no i mean he's the the character you know yeah and you know and that and in that respect to me the whole thing felt like a tv show more than a documentary only it's not because, very cinematic which yeah is all, well that and the fact that you knew that there was a whole production team behind the mm you know behind this the scenes including and i mean he he's the director but so i guess he is kind of telling the story in that respect but it's yeah, produced like a tv drone shot at the end yeah so i kind of like um, that ending there were there was a lot of uh, i laughed a lot during this and I, I said out loud to myself what the fuck am i watching <laughs> like what, what is this because it took me a little while to figure out are they playing it straight is it humor and then they would get to a scene you know, they would get to a scene like setting up the, uh, the. I think the first, my first hint that there was some uh, tomfoolery going on here is when they they set up the mud too. <laughs> go mud too, never clean. Yeah, <laughs> never clean. <laughs> so this town, Dumas in Arkansas, it's famous for uh, the movie Mud. I guess was filmed there. So they pretended to be making a sequel called Mud Two uh, in order to gain access to a local school so that they could get the yearbook. And you know. That's probably not how they got the year, right? Right. You know, but it was a funnier way to kind of yeah. to set up the story, and that was my first hint to, to going, oh, okay, they're they're playing with this. They they are right. actually trying to find Francis, but they're having fun with it along the way. There are plenty of documentaries that completely bend and twist the truth, so I don't think there's anything more dishonest about how this is meant to be the season finale of a, a scripted comedy show. Than yeah. you know, I, a, a I lot agree. of true crime documentaries. Yeah, I don't really have. I mean, I'm really, uh, I'm very. I have a very open interpretation of what documentary is, and I don't even think documentaries have to be true. I, I'm mm. with both of you. I think mm. this is a documentary. I mean, there's no way it couldn't be. Yeah. I, I think, um, you know, having been the last episode of a of a TV series, it, it's not put out to the world as a documentary. Had it not been the last episode of a TV series, and he had re- released this independently from the, se- the series, I think it was. Which would... he did eventually, really. Well, yeah, he did. Ev- yeah. So what happened, and you both kind of mentioned it, was um, my understanding was the True False Film Festival came to him and said, we would like to screen this at the True False Film Festival. And that was sort of the launching point. But it was after it had aired on TV. So it did initially air on TV. But after that, they came and said, we would like to air this at the festival. Um, and that was sort of its beginning of being played in you know other festivals and things like that um which i think is great because i I think it should be seen even if you're not that familiar with the tv show or if you're not even a big fan i think it could stand on its own as long as you can take uh nathan's humor i think cynically if he really wanted to he could have made an entire fifth maybe like a a more condensed season out of this and, and do what a lot of true crime documentaries do and stretch it out way longer than it has to be. Yeah. Uh, but, and yeah, you know, he, he stuck to his guns and he made a 90-minute movie and it works perfectly. You know, it, it's not 100% perfect, as we discussed, you know, the stuff with the escort, for example, it kind of drags a little bit and there's peaks and troughs, but my God, it's just 
the combination of the character of Bill and how genuinely brilliant he is and the consistent humor, mm. I think, you know, justifies its running time. Can we talk about Bill a little bit? I thought it moved fine, honestly. Yeah. I, I I had no problems with the pacing of it. The only all. part I felt like it dragged was when they first started doing the the, the escort stuff. But other than that, I didn't, I didn't mind. It, it, I just I yeah. felt like I lost Bill, and I was like, wait, let's are that, we on a different yeah. story now? That's what I, it was. We, it wasn't that it didn't work. It's that we're way more interested in Bill than Nathan. Yeah, yeah, yeah. and that, that was what was driving the story. I don't mind mm -hmm. those little asides, but the aside went along. Went. And she wasn't, along you know, and I mean, it would have been fine to do that, but the character that they needed to cut to would have had to have been even more intriguing than Bill for it to work, and she wasn't. Right. So she's just not that interesting. So Well, but the person they were really cutting to was Nathan. You know, they're trying mm -hmm. to show this, you know, the opposite story of, uh, you know, Bill searching after a long-lost love and yep. Nathan sort of finding love in the process. Yeah. Desperately yeah. trying to avoid becoming Bill. Right, yeah. He doesn't want to be, you know, 75 years yeah. old and That's a good Yeah. 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 Bill's a really interesting guy. I mean, we talked a little bit about the um, the scene in the theater and uh, how he came out and how he was very aggressive when they first started acting that out. But there was a lot of questionable things about Bill. At certain times, Nathan didn't really believe, you know, the stories that Bill had told him. Asked him things like, "Are, are you actually a stalker? You know, am I leading you back to somebody that doesn't want to be around you?" Um, then there was the question, and we mentioned it, but the question about how long he had been a uh, a Bill Gates impersonator, <laughs> which <laughs> turned out it's the the most undramatic <laughs> dramatic revelation, and it's brilliant. So Bill had actually never been a, a Bill Gates impersonator. That was well, the first time you know, he ever did it's, it. It's funny that whole scene where they cut back to like where he asks him, "So you do this for a living?" and he says, "Uh huh." Or yes, something sir. like that, right? But, but the way he asked the question, I mean, he was acting, True. you know, and he was playing a part. So, like, it could have just—he could have taken it as so you make you do your living by like you make a living by acting. Or he know? might have, he might have been answering um, it as Bill Gates. He might have been going, "Oh yeah, I do, I do computers." That's well, yeah, there's living. that too. He could yeah. have still been but in character. I, but I kind I of like felt to like think he, he played didn't... it in character, but yeah, yeah. <laughs> um. But then there's the yeah. last scene, of course, where uh, he he uh, comes back after the film has been done, and he, uh, you know, the, there's the failure to reunite, and mm -hmm. comes into the office and to see Nathan bringing him a gift. But his, his true motivation yeah. was he now wanted to uh, get the phone number of the actress June, who I would have thought would have been very turned off by him. I'm surprised that she took him up on the date. But again, who knows how much you of don't that know was. if that's that, yeah, you don't know. Something tells me real. that was scripted, but then that feels a little bit too cruel towards Bill. I don't think they would have gone with that. I think I think it was scripted. Mm. I think that was. Uh, well, how much do you I think? think, do you think him coming back and asking to meet June was scripted, or do you think just a meeting between him and June? Was scripted? I, I I don't know. I guess this is me just being kind of uh, a softy. I I like to think that in a in a movie where a lot of it is scripted, that they wouldn't be cruel enough to uh -huh. make it all a scripted setup to mm. get Bill on that date. I mean, I have absolutely no doubt that it went no further than that. Right, than that awkward date. encounter. But I like to think he came in, asked to be set up, and for whatever reason, June went along with it, maybe to be nice and to humor him. But 
I like to think by that point when they've all been on this journey as as people as opposed to characters in this partially scripted documentary that that you know they wouldn't be that cruel towards him. Hmm. But I could be wrong. I could be wrong. So do you want to know how much I I, I wouldn't call this I mean, there's obviously stuff that was planned mm-hmm. in this film. I would use the term contrived more than scripted, I guess, because there were things, that, I don't know how much they were scripted. I don't think the dialogue was scripted necessarily, but I think a good, like, it's my personal belief that about 90% of this movie was contrived. I, I'm definitely gonna have to respectfully disagree. I, <laughs> no, I know yeah, you do, and yeah. that's fine. No, I, that's I just, I, to me, I see a lot of it as like I felt like it, like when it was all said and done, I was like, man. And now that we're going through it, I'm like, I bet a lot of. So what do you what do you think was real? Um, I don't know. Um, not very much of it. I don't think. I, I think what I think what disproves your theory there is, unless he is just one of the most incredible undiscovered actors bill just feels like such an unpredictable guy you couldn't build 90 percent well here's the thing i think i think that he is uh i think his performance was definitely like him just vamping like you know just being himself for sure Mm. um but i think that almost all the situations including i think the whole francis story you think I think the all that. Story is oh, absolutely. Yeah. Really? Yeah. Hmm. yeah. Oh, come on, man. So. That that last yeah. phone call. I I think on th- th- those two both would have mm. to be such amazing mm. actors to. I don't know. Oh maybe there was yeah. a. I don't. Maybe I don't know. I disagree I like, with you too, Bill. Yeah. yeah. No. Um. I. No. I think a good chunk. Like maybe that. Maybe there was like there was an actual Francis, but I think a lot of them looking for her. I bet they knew where where she was the whole time. And they just they, like they may whole, have withheld that, may that from Bill. Uh, a lot of the stuff in Arkansas, Mud Two, the high school reunion, definitely scripted contrivances, definitely, mm-hmm. because that's where you're getting a lot of the comedy from and everything yeah. with the escort. But I think he genuinely approached them and said, "I'm trying to find the long lost love of my life. Will you help me?" And they thought, "There's enough of a story in here. We're gonna craft comedy around this journey organically." Yeah. yeah. Yeah, I, see, I, I bought the I bought the basic premise of it. You know, I, I bought that Bill was looking for somebody, and they decided let's follow along. And, and like you said, then they knew that they could make it funny enough to make it interesting. Um, but yeah, I think from there, and I had that thought too while watching it. I'm like, they probably knew where she was right away. Mm. You know, they probably mm. just did a Google search. They figured it out. They found her, and they just oh, let's go they through just, the. They, you know, they, they probably wrote it out for a while. They probably yeah. wrote that. Uh, you know the school scene in in Hollywood in a writer's room. You know they probably yeah. wrote the class well, reunion in a, in a writer's room. You know it was, and then just went out to film it yeah, before they then had, finally going to Michigan. And, yeah, they and definitely Francis. had it. Yeah, and I think probably what the real story here is is that they had this weird dude that had just has this very sorry I just bought my microphone um, has this very uh, um, weird affect to him and. They discover he has this story, and they decide to build a whole. You know, like can we stretch? It's a, almost like a challenge. Can we stretch this guy's story out into a, like a whole episode? And they build this whole narrative around his requ- unrequited love story. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think there probably was an actual Francis, and he probably did regret not mar- getting married to her. 
Um, but the fact that they had to go to Arkansas and then do all this stuff and then go to Michigan and have them talk to her on a phone, I think that was all set up. I thought that last scene. That well, last well, scene is absolutely heartbreaking. I completely car, buy it. Which makes me it. think that like that that's probably the truth in this story is that there was an actual Francis that he actually longed for. So you don't think that was Francis on the phone? You think that was an actress? No, I th- I think that that was probably true, mm. actually. I, th- I feel like that conversation was a real conversation between two people who dated in high school mm. that missed each other. You know, and that was such reason. an uncomfortable scene to watch. Just, yeah. I mean, you could feel everything that Bill was going through when he was on that phone call. So like you said, he, if, it, if it was fake, it was a fantastic actor mm. because in, in the beginning, the way he starts off and he's saying like, oh, oh, do, do you know who I am? Don't you recognize my voice? Which just, is such a like a, a, thing g- that, a guy who cannot process what he's trying to just say. Just a little creepy though, too. Yeah, you know? like yeah. a little inappropriate, mm-hmm. a little creepy. You know, but I I don't know. It felt. I to think me if like, I called into my ex girlfriend from high school and like talked to her on the phone like that, you know, I think she would. <laughs> I think I would get hung. Well, up I, on I feel like it, if, but if you did it, it it seems like something you would call an ex girlfriend from high school, like four years later. Like that would be something that you would yeah. do. Like, do you recognize my voice? Yeah. But this is sixty Decades, years later. Yeah. You know, you can't, there's no way your voice sounds the same, and there's no way that she has that memory of your voice in her head. Yeah, and exactly. you could feel like his heart kind of breaking. Like, oh, she hasn't been pining for my voice for mm-hmm. these, you know, all these years. Um, and the f- and, the first thing he says when he gets off the call, he turns to Nathan and says, "Are you okay?" Yeah. Uh, yeah. And Nathan says rightly back, am I okay? <laughs> you know, but yeah, I mean, Nathan did look, you know, they were showing his reaction shots throughout it and he, he did look pretty worried, but I would have been too. You know, I think he seemed like he had actually grown close to Bill as weird as Bill is. It seemed like he, yeah. you know, cared for him and he was watching a guy's kind of, uh, you know, 60 years of pining just kind of come crashing down. I think Nathan had such a genuine connection with Bill by that point that I, I find it hard to believe that there was any cruelty or mockery being aimed at him. As you say, that scene, his concern for Bill as a human being is genuine because that's a painful thing to be in a car and experience another human being going through. Yeah, and I can imagine just for Bill what it was like to have Nathan there watching him going through that because I think if that were me, I would want to be absolutely alone to go through that moment, even whether it it went well or not. You know, if it was going to go great... You know, the, the fear, of course, though, would be that it would went the way that it, it did turn out. Um, and I don't think I'd want to have somebody there for that. But, but I, I, think feel, it, I think he sees ahead. Nathan and the the camera crew as a crutch. You, you, you hear him suggest that the whole camera crew come down with him to meet Francis for the first time. And right. we're all going, well, well, wouldn't you like that for your show? And Nathan is thinking, well, I think for her sake, it's probably best if just you go down, then we can follow you in. And he's saying... You know, uh, yeah. I, I want it all for the PR, the cameras. <laughs> yeah, because that was the weird. I mean, that was the weird reaction from both of them. Because you would think Nathan would want it from the show, the show, and you would think Bill would want to be by himself. But right. Bill was afraid to, obviously, afraid to do it on his own. Mm. You know, he was afraid to face up to this thing. So he wanted the cameras there, like you said, for a crutch, to sort of back up to, to if it does go wrong, he can just be like, ah, this is just a joke for a TV show, you know, and, and not have to feel the weight of being crushed on that. And then Nathan, I thought it was pretty um, respectable of him to say, no, I don't think we should go down there with, 
with cameras, you know, and shove him in her face and, and put her on the spot where she's now got to reject a guy after 60 years with a bunch of cameras in her face. So it, it was odd, but I, I get what each of those were talking about. But just to go back for I a think- second, you were t- sorry, Bill, just let me, I was going to say this. You were, you're talking about um, Nathan being cruel to Bill. And I, I did feel like there was a little bit of that at times. Uh, I think as the film went on, there wasn't. But, you know, when he would prod him about uh, how long have you been a Bill Gates impersonator, it seemed like he could have just kind of leveled with the guy, but he kind of played it out a bit, which you could tell he was kind of playing it out for the cameras. And it, it seemed a little unnecessary. But That's when it becomes far more of a scripted comedy thing than, say, someone who I liked, like Louis Theroux. He never, mm. he never mocks or judges. It could be a neo-Nazi or it could be an Israeli nationalist or all kinds of weird people. Uh, He came to Milwaukee, actually, uh, to the north side. Uh, I think it was called Murder in Milwaukee. All he does, he just talks to these people and he wants to hear their Mm -hmm. side of things and he never judges. That's why Louis Theroux is brilliant. Nathan is not a documentarian, he's a comedian, and that very much comes through. I've been been telling Bill uh, we need to do Louis sometime the show. Yeah, Yeah. I just watched uh, one of his... I've seen his stuff before. I remember you asking me about him, and I... uh, His name didn't ring a bell, but once I actually went out and looked at some of his stuff, I was like, oh, yeah, I've seen this guy before. So I'm kind of familiar with his work. I think he worked on some... um, He was a contributor to one of these, like, kind of... HBO news. I think HBO had another before Vice, before whatever they did, like this uh, news magazine kind of show that had kind of a humorous bent to it. And um, I think that he would produce segments for that too. So um, I think that's where I knew him from. Or maybe he did stuff with Michael Moore at some point. I don't know. Michael Moore had a couple TV shows where yeah he would get. But he's somebody we should talk producers. about soon at some point. He's he's great. Something uh, before I forget, my girlfriend said when we were watching it today, uh, it's the it's the Dumas high school scene, and it is one of the things that doesn't feel scripted. It's just uh, these two people, a man and a woman, talking, saying, "Oh, did you hear so and so died? Oh yeah, well so and so's so and so still alive." And my girlfriend just started laughing. Went, God, this is depressing. And I think uh, in amongst some of the comedy, some of it doesn't land. Most of it does for me, at least. It's it's really pretty melancholic when you just look at Bill as a character Mm. and he's desperately lonely and sad and trying to sort of avoid that loneliness, whether it's hanging out with Nathan or going on this journey and dragging it out. How much of that is scripted obviously determines Mm. how long that journey was dragged out. But it And including that final scene, which I think is heartbreaking, like I said, it, it really does stand out from the rest of his stuff where it's he's there to kind of, you know, make a joke and do a stupid business idea to some unsuspecting business owners. But, yeah, the, I, I wonder what compelled him to decide to make something so different and feature length. I guess Bill. Mm-hmm. I mean, it seems, I mean, if you believe his story, it was Bill that, you know, that prompted him to do that. Mm-hmm. I was going to say about the, the reunion... The, this part, the part that st- stuck with me was when Bill got up and started singing and dancing. <laughs> yeah. Because Bill is, um, you know, he left a small town in Arkansas to go to Hollywood to pursue a, his dreams to be a, a famous actor. And he, apparently, you know, when he was younger looking, he was a very good looking guy. Mm-hmm. 
obviously, you know, it seems like he works as an actor on and off, but obviously probably didn't get the fame that he wanted. Um, and now he's back, but still sort of the showman, you know, he's getting up there and he's dancing and he's singing to a song that he can't remember the words to, but still he's like, you know, the show must go on. He's up there, he's putting on a performance. And I think there was, you know, there's bits of him doing that throughout the film, you know. Mm. I mean, that's the thing that always makes me, will always make me wonder about how exactly precisely how much this was, how much of this was contrived but is the fact that uh you have to remember that bill is actually a lifelong actor Mm -hmm. i mean that's you know he may have only have gotten bit parts or he may not be a brilliant actor maybe he is uh but uh he you know he's he really did leave arkansas to go to hollywood in the early 60s and so he's not like a Go ahead. He is a showman, you know. Mm, like that, he's probably done fair. tons of stuff. But I know, think so. you can tell when Bill is acting. You know, like in the yeah. Scene, I don't know if you can or not. When they're casting, when they're doing the casting, and they bring in the guy mm, who kind of looks two, like yeah. Bill uh, for Mud Two, yeah. and Bill's uh, there. Bill seems like Bill's acting there. It yeah, looks like he's and trying he's to act. He's in on the joke then. Yeah, he's yeah. in on the joke, so he yeah. knows he's acting. Yeah, and it seems like when he's at the reunion, it seems like he's kind of acting. But I think there's enough of him in this where enough of him that's real real and just like with nathan there's enough of nathan that's probably real too it doesn't feel like bill is some patsy who's being completely manipulated because then i i don't think i'd particularly enjoy this because it would just be no. mean-spirited and cruel and very ingenuine um and not particularly funny no i think he knew he knew what the show was that he was on before yeah, yeah no, he, I mean, he, was, he was he was definitely like a paid performer on this production um I, I'm almost certain he. Won. I don't think it was just he was just doing it because he was in it. like. I think this was a gig for him, you know. Too, I mean, so. they they give you the whole setup of we're going to give the resource of the show, and that's great. But then yeah. following that comes discussions and development meetings and contracts. So it's not as though mm-hmm. Nathan just you know got out his credit card and off they went on a plane. Of course, no, there's of course, a lot yeah. of planning yeah. behind it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But I, I'll just say, um, I really enjoyed this. I mean, I like I said, I was laughing the whole time, just going, what the hell is this? What what am I watching? Trying to figure it out. And, you know, I, and for me, you know, a lot of the stuff that we tend to discuss, because documentary genre, I guess, almost in, not fully, but a lot of times it's more serious of a genre to discuss. Uh, it was nice to watch something that was just kind of funny, that was lighthearted, but also, you know, had that kind of uh, heartfelt story at the center of it. You know, that was ultimately satisfying. I mean, I guess not for Bill, but, you know, for me it was. I actually, I, I, uh, I enjoyed it. I thought it was a, it was fun. It's definitely like a, a very unusual. I wish I was more familiar with the Nathan character. I'm going to go back and watch some of those shows and maybe I'll appreciate it more. But, um, I thought it was well, really well done. And I thought it was a t- completely original approach to, I hadn't seen that kind of storytelling even in reality TV before, so it was um, it was pretty good. It was just like uh, the the thing that got me was all the tropes of like, oh, let's plan a reunion, let's go to the library, you know, like it's all obvious like reality TV show setups. Maybe I'm just too jaded because I've worked with a lot of I I've never worked. I have actually done a little work in reality, but there's a couple of big reality TV production houses here and I have a lot of friends who worked in reality. So I kind of know how this all, sh- all this shit works. And, um, and they, and so like all that stuff was a little off putting to me, the, but all the, the big that, production. What I kind of liked about this is they, 
Yes, they did that. They set up a reunion for 57 year reunion. But it was all so ridiculous that it was sort of, you know, taking the piss out of the out of those reality tropes, you know. No, I yeah, so, no, that's true. Yeah, absolutely. That's true. I, I yeah, it was a little bit You know, of I mean, a how we did, I mean, of a, not a, a reality a little bit show of a parody even, of a reality show, yeah. A reality show wouldn't even go to the lengths of uh, I'm going to hire an escort for Bill, but then I'm going to slowly fall in love with her. Yeah. <laughs> you know, yeah. Oh, they, yeah, they, they do shit like that. And then end the you ever film watch on Stars? What's that? Did you ever watch Pawn Stars? Or, or yeah, in the beginning, in the and then, then it got Dynasty really bad. Or, is, is that the one the... that Bob Dylan inexplicably shows up on? I don't know. Probably. I, yeah. th- I, think might. I think as Pawn Stars, there's a guy who knows where Bob Dylan's going to be. And he has a Bob Dylan vinyl, and it's one of the weirdest clips I've ever seen on a reality show. It's yeah, just, it's probably it's yeah. Bob. It's Dylan all set up. It's all great. that stuff was set up. Yeah, yeah. it's great. Um, so, it's kind of like uh, it's like when you see Terrence Malick on TMZ. It is the last person you expect on that kind of thing. <laughs> yeah. So I don't know. It's a it was a fun movie for sure. I, I'm gonna go check out the rest of that series. I think, uh, but. I feel like, except for maybe the bare core of the fact that this guy actually had unrequited love, like everything else in this movie was a setup. Mm-hmm. I think there actually was a, a Francis, and he probably did want to reconnect to her, but they probably knew where she was the whole time, and they just built the whole story around. around yeah, him, I, I, who knows? But to, to me, it just doesn't matter. Mm-hmm. You know, like I enjoyed it. I think it did have that heartfelt matter in the middle mm-hmm. of it, and yeah. But maybe it's just the way it was packaged at like a TV show. Mm-hmm. It was shot and packaged like a TV show that maybe, you know, think that it was all a setup. You know, maybe that's it. I don't know. It would have been lovely to have had it been something more cinematic, but I guess that was never the intention when they started out. No, I think it wouldn't have worked. I mean, the way, I mean, it was meant to be a season finale for a show that people were obviously very familiar with. Right. So I think it works. It probably works much better on that level than it it, does it's a, coming into it. It's a little bit like. Kind of cold yeah, like I did. It's a little bit like that uh, Tim Heidecker movie, Mr. America. It, it was meant to be a kind of mid season um, sort of special um, with his comedy series on cinema at the cinema where he, he runs for district attorney in San Bernardino County. And Magnolia just saw this mid-season special and went, this is so good, screw putting it out for broadcast, we should put this straight into theatres. So the movie just went exclusively theatrical as opposed to making it onto TV. Yeah, and this might have been something here where they you know, they filmed something that was intended to be a 30-minute episode, but they it got so much of it. It just kept expanding and building on. I mean, yeah, yeah. I, I never thought I would end up making this documentary about Charles Kastner feature. That was... I, I thought we didn't have enough, and I always hate when you see a documentary that can barely make 70 minutes and it's just padding. Mm-hmm. And I thought we're going to avoid that. You fall into that weird kind of midway mark where it's longer than 20 minutes, but shorter than 70, and you don't see a lot of those in the festival circuit. But a couple of things happened in the last six months. We realized, oh, shit, all right, I guess whether we want to or not, this is a feature now. Mm-hmm. Do you know what? The, do you I'm, have like a target running time? Yeah, I'm going for about. 70 i'd be shocked if it made 90 i think 70 80 i think there's genuinely enough there without it feeling like padding because that's what i want to avoid i've seen enough documents where they they just add stuff in and it would have made a much better long short than a short feature 
Do you have a, um, uh, are you, are you targeting a specific market for this film? I mean, right now we are just focusing on trying to get the thing funded, but we do have uh, some arrangements in place with the Found Footage Festival. Obviously, they're producing, they have their live show, they have their online web show. So, I, I don't know, I, I guess we'll see. We definitely, definitely want to put it on the festival circuit. And I think we've mm. got uh, a good shot. I think we've got enough pedigree behind it, I think. You know, it's the kind of thing that could play well at something like South by Southwest or Slam Dance. I don't know. I guess we'll mm-hmm. yeah. we'll see how the film turns out. Yeah, I, yeah. It's not, it seems like a Slam Dance film to me for sure. Fingers crossed. I mean, that'd be great. Uh, yeah. Um, but uh, yeah, it's it it. I'm really looking forward. I think your film would be better than. Absolutely none of mine scripted. I, I can promise you that. I wish it were. No, it's, it's just. Fine. I don't. I don't even. Are have you sure Charles scripted. didn't script all that stuff out? Uh, well, he did. He did do a short film where he did his own yeah. stunts. So, oh really? Yeah. There's not a lot of that shown in the trailer, but there's there's him making a documentary and there's him making an action movie. So I, I'm yeah. fascinated by characters like this. Like mm. I, I really can't wait to see it. Because, because every, just... everyone's got one. Everyone knows a Charles Carson, yeah. and I think a lot of them deserve their own documentary, honestly. Oh, yeah, yeah. Mm. And just to have that, you know, your, your stereotype of somebody living out in a, a very rural area on a mm-hmm. farm, you wouldn't think, especially at that time, maybe now, you wouldn't think they would have the, the technological ability to mm-hmm. film you know a feature length film and then like you said edit everything together mix in the mm-hmm. sound and just the fact that you know like i just think of it as some guys out on a farm they 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 build a wood shop you know right and i can just imagine him back there with a a little film studio in in one of his in, in one of his rooms so. and on top of the films he was an inventor he was an academic he made it into academic journals i think he made a piece of farming apparatus that might still be used to this day wow. and he made it kind yeah. of 50 years ago so he may have it, so he owns a patent or something. Something like that. Just seriously yeah. intelligent guy. Once you kind of take a little bit of time to be a detective and look beyond just the weird movie. And then, meanwhile, he's walking up to a camera with a, a cow's placenta. Yeah, God, <laughs> everyone loves that, but it is funny. Well, it's just you know, it's somebody in their element. You know, mm-hmm. I, I I've never held a cow's placenta, so it's interesting to see somebody that yeah that, that, that has that experience. Well, now you life. know what it looks like up close. <laughs> well. You know, you going back to what you were talking about, how how long a film should be. I I think that uh, you you in editing you'll discover how long it should be, and uh, I think it's much better to just settle on. I think a film will kind of reveal to itself yeah. to you and let you know how long it needs to be, mm-hmm. and I think the audience will know pretty quickly if if you've been tap dancing for a while and like you're trying to stretch it out to a certain yeah. length. Or I, there yeah. was a guy I used to know that. Um, used to brag about how long his films were and i'm like that's, that's, not, so that's not a good films. brag <laughs> yeah yeah, yeah. So. i've been so cagey with announcing it as a feature and it's only in the last maybe three four weeks that it only has to be longer than an hour to be a feature really right but, so, but even then really yeah. festivals uh 45 minutes is a feature i think that's a lot to ask an audience though to sit there for a whole hour and i'm not gonna do that thing of patronizing oh, people and going I, I I don't know. It's got to be good. It's got to be good. I think an hour for if, a if long it's, form documentary is actually can be, it's a really nice tight mm-hmm. time frame. And there's actually markets that you can sell an hour long documentary to. Although, I mean, given the right, right deal or whatever, 
somebody could just come and say, hey, we'd like to license this entire project from you and recut it for our purposes. Mm -hmm. And, you know, there, there are deals that may come up like that, you know. So um, you never know, you know. Uh, but I know, like, for public television, for pledge drives, they like hour-long programs mm -hmm. because they want three 20-minute segments. <laughs> what's the, what, what's so. the PBS uh, thing called? Is it Independent Lens, I think they do? Yeah, there's independent lens. And yeah. Then, but I've sold uh, programming for pledge drives mm -hmm. on, um, like, documentary-type programming for pledge drives on PBS, and they like a solid 60 minutes. Mm -hmm. They like three 20-minute segments. More give or, You can do a 15, a 25, and a 10 or something like that, but they like an hour-long mm -hmm. program for that. So th there's specific markets that like specific links, but I think what your first cut should be, exactly what the story needs to be and nothing more nothing less you know yeah i'm so. more of a fan of the 90 minutes if i could if i'm in, if now, something course, needs to be it, 90 minutes it's if it, 90 it minutes it has to be good as you both said yeah. it has to be good but if i can watch if i'm intrigued by something enough for an hour i can watch it for 90 minutes mm -hmm. you know? yeah i think so too and i think that um but the material has to be there to make it 90 minutes if there's mm. you know you can't you can't right, just you can't do anything saying, 90 minutes but and I, and I think that uh you know um but it sounds like oscar's you know, working I think, with I think a lot you of have to, footage you have to yeah. be very ruthless mm. with your at with your cuts and really cut anything that doesn't need to be there yeah. um before you get the close to be having a really good there, there is nothing things, worse so. than a movie that is 70 80 minutes and i'm checking my watch whether i like it or not is not the point yeah. if it's not keeping my attention and it's that short you know you've got a problem and something that shouldn't have yeah. been a feature see i would have probably checked out at 10 minutes <laughs> if, I, if i'm not if i'm in yeah. you know i'm in the first 10 minutes usually mm -hmm. so That's unless fair. it just goes off the rails somewhere around the middle yeah uh, i've i've bailed on so many movies like halfway through them i find it really right. hard to do that even if i absolutely hate the movie there's very few i've given up on i don't i don't feel bad about it mm. usually it doesn't happen that often yeah. you know i mean i'll i'll even give like even if i've decided halfway through that a movie's not particularly interesting if it's interesting enough, I'll finish it. But like occasionally, I just realize that they're. It's like at some point you realize they're just jerking you off. You know, I, I, the, <laughs> the last movie I bailed on was uh, what is it called? Uh, Jacques Rivette's Number One, I think it's called, or On Ten. I think it's. Um, I don't know. I'm it's a twelve-hour movie. I got two uh, hours I, in. I, I just failed. Uh, I yeah, bailed I, already. I, I, well, yeah, you know, I here's the them. thing: people watch twelve-hour movies all the time now. They're sure. called. They're called right. Netflix series. Yeah. You know. But I mean, th this um, was those are twelve-hour movies. This was forty minutes of uh, a handheld camera filming uh, an experimental drama rehearsal, mm -mm. and I, <laughs> I, I, <laughs> I don't know how you can justify twelve no. hours of that. No, that's just an art project. Yeah, yeah. It's not yeah. a documentary. That's just a, it, it's a museum piece. It felt piece. like homework. Uh, it didn't yeah. feel like I was no, watching exactly. a No, exactly. It's yeah. homework and it's yeah. a museum piece. It's right, like nobody, nobody right. really watches that. Yeah. You know? Glad All right, well, let, let's uh, wrap this up here. Oscar, thanks so much, man. Um, once again, it's called A Life on the Farm. Just Google A Life on the Farm Kickstarter. And September 10th, uh, as I'm looking at it, you're... you're trying to raise uh, 15,000 pounds, right? Yeah, I mean, with the exchange rate, the dollars keeps changing to sort of 19 to 20,000, but yeah. Oh, okay, so mm -hmm. you're not too far away. We're, we're, we're going to get there, but it's, you know, every law helps. 
I did, you know, just a, a random question. Uh, how did you end up in Milwaukee? And yeah, I was going to ask the same there? thing. Yeah, uh, so I was actually uh, an undergrad for an exchange year uh, back in, oh, God, when was it? Uh, 2015. And then, uh, you know, I've got, I've got friends here, and there was a, an opening for a, a teaching assistant and a master's degree. And I just thought, yeah, you know, screw it. There's been a lot of good opportunities for me in the UK. I'm excited to just go back to the US. It's kind of like a second home for me here anyway, so. Yeah. So you've been here since 2015? Right? I, on and off, but yeah. No, I'm, I'm living here permanently now, working at a, the, the college that had me on as an undergrad. And it's a really great city. It's got plenty of problems. We've unfortunately had all the stuff going on in Kenosha nearby. Yeah, of course. Yeah. Right. Um, but, you know, look, it's like any city you can have your problems, but it's a really yeah, nice. I place. can't imagine that uh, England is any better off than the U.S. No, right now, politically, economically. Yeah, or you're kind of the else, first you know, person so. to acknowledge that. Most people say to me, "Oh, you know, what must you all think of us over there in right. England?" And it's, you know, buddy, if, if you had a look at England right now, no, genuinely, your podcast is the best new one I've come across in a while. I kind of like been oh, winding oh, down well, my you, old man. ones, and it's great. It's really good. <laughs> Oh, good. Yeah, really I appreciate, appreciate that. that. And I, I got to tell you, I don't know what Bill's final verdict is, but I really enjoyed Finding Francis. I, I love it. Was it. Hilarious. I, love it. Yeah. I enjoyed it. I don't don't get me wrong. I enjoyed it. Was it was a fun I afternoon. Just, yeah. You know, I didn't I, have to watch I something mean, too too serious. Yeah. No. It was yeah. it was definitely a nice. Uh, yeah. It was fun. I've kind of yeah, not been in the sure. mood for a lot of heavy stuff lately. Mostly just the oh, stress I wonder why. Kickstarter. But yeah. <laughs> yeah. You know, pandemic, yeah. everything else. But um, yeah. I genuinely that show is so goddamn hilarious i'd really recommend getting into it yeah. yeah all right well i will check it out and that's our recommendation i guess to go back and watch more watch nathan for you yeah more nathan for you which is not technically documentary but that's <laughs> great i mean it's it's sort of documentary adjacent i guess sure. so.